0: And I'm Paulie. Welcome to episode 13. The unlucky
1: 13. Strangely appropriate because of where you are this weekend, uh, Paul. Yes, very true. I am in Orlando, Florida. Attending. And the unluckiest place in the world. The unluckiest, unhappiest <laughs> place in the world.
0: <laughs> what are you doing out there in Orlando, Paul?
1: Well, what I'm doing is, uh, last night I attended the opening ceremonies for Universal Studios Halloween Horror Nights. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, they, they had their big media event last night. Uh, it started with an uh, – there was a, a press – I wouldn't even call it a press conference. They were only up there for 10 minutes. But the cast of the upcoming movie Cirque du Freak, yeah. um, which is John C. Riley from Step Brothers and all those films, um, and a couple of kids from the movie uh, were up. And they were showing clips from the movie. They were really only up there about 10 minutes. Uh, But then they led us to the media party, which was very nice. Very nice. Nice, fancy free food, free liquor. Oh, yeah. You know,
0: I never get to go to the places where there's free liquor.
1: See? You should have come. (laughs) Should have come. Should have come. And celebrities. What kind of celebrities? Um, People who, when I tell people who they are, they don't know who they are. But they're celebrities to me. (laughs) <laughs> well am um, I gonna know who they are, Paul? Yeah, I think you might. Um I met Doug Jones.
0: Oh yeah, Abe Sapien, Hellboy.
1: Yeah, exactly. Abe Sapien yeah. from Hellboy. He was the Silver Surfer from yeah. Fantastic Four. I did uh, not realize that was the same guy. Yeah. Uh he's been in a ton of stuff. Uh <laughs> Pan's Labyrinth. Um, you know, and he was awesome guy, really funny. We actually talked for a little bit um about how You know, he was looking forward to going through the houses, and, you know, he was talking about how he wanted to play Frankenstein for Guillermo del Toro, and so that was the house he was looking forward to the most. Mm -hmm. So that was – he was really nice. Um, Also there was Brian O'Halloran, who played Dante in Clerks and Clerks 2. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, he was a nice guy, too – I'm going to post some pictures later up today on the site uh, and today being Saturday, September 26th. And, uh, you know, again, nice guy. It's kind of funny. We were wearing the same type of glasses so it's like separated at birth, but um <laughs> except that he's shorter and skinnier than me, but you know, uh-huh. it's like twins, like Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, y- you know, uh you being all the evil stuff that was left over
1: though. Yeah. There's more am.
0: evil in that in that in those twins.
1: Yeah, the evil <laughs> untalented less famous yeah. brother. Exactly. I'm exactly. like Kevin Dillon. That's right.
0: That's
1: right. <laughs> so, and you've also got some video of Doug Jones up on the website. I do, I do. Uh, posted this morning. Doug Jones welcomes our readers to Ideology of Madness, which is pretty cool. I think.
0: Yeah, I think so too.
1: Yeah, it was. It was kind of funny because you know I'm looking at all the how you n- tell who people are. You, you, they're given. You're given a big press pass or a media path, and it has your name and what site you're from. So I'm looking around, and, you know, it's kind of hard because, you know, you have to look at boobs or people's stomachs to to see what site they're on because you want to look at their name tag. Uh-huh. You don't want to just introduce yourself to Joe Blow. Right. You know, you well, want to yeah. say, oh, well, this is the guy from, you know, Screamscape or HalloweenHorrorNightsVault.com or something like right. that. So, you know, I'm looking at all these people's stomachs and chests and boobs and things like that. But, uh. You know some really cool people you know uh, <laughs> and uh, you know I, I met some you know a lot of a lot of people from websites that I normally read you know on a daily weekly basis, especially around this time of year right and um, it's funny because they would ask, oh, what side are you with Oh, ideology of madness, excuse me what? It's like, <laughs> you know what? One thing I have decided for the next media event I attend, which I'm hoping may be the Harry Potter opening night media event um, for Hol- for also Universal Studios, I will have some business cards made up. Yeah. Cause, you know, uh, I, I find that I, I need those too,
0: you know, and I keep going, why haven't I done that yet?
1: Yeah. I mean, Ideology of Madness is not the easiest name to remember when you go home back to your hotel room. Right. Uh, so I really want people to have something to see, you know, they can check us out. or you know, or listen to this excellent podcast. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Well, you should just be giving out little USB fobs with a couple of shows on them.
1: Yeah. Actually, it's kind of funny. They gave me one of those. Oh, did they? Well, not with Funny Books with Aaron and Paulie on it. Oh. That would have been something.
0: Wouldn't that have been awesome? (laughs) It's like, hey, it's me. (laughs) Hey, here's your own show.
1: (laughs) Yeah. They handed me this little circular globe thing and I was like... Oh, okay, what is this? And they said, "Oh, it's your press kit." It's a little USB drive and it's really cool. I wonder how big huh. it is. I don't want to delete it and put anything else on it. I'll probably stick it in my cool file and never use it again, but, you know. There you go. There you go. Well, that sounds awesome, Paul.
0: Yeah, so and you're you're, the, you're there like all week, aren't you?
1: Yeah, I am in Orlando until October 5th. Wow. So, uh, you know, warning for this week's listeners: next week's uh, episode may not be new comic talk, but we will definitely have plenty to talk about next week. Absolutely. But um, yeah, my goal today, uh, like I said, it's September twenty sixth, is to hit some of the local comic shops in the area. Uh, there's a, a comic shop, and it's kind of funny because it's called a comic shop. That's the mm-hmm. name of the store. Um, they write regularly for Newsarama, you yeah. know, about their, you know, their Basically the way they run their business.
0: Oh yeah, this is the this is the store who um instead of selling back issues, they'll go and like leave comics at, at you know, coffee shops and whatnot with the stamp of their comic shop name in it. Exactly. Right? Yeah.
1: Yep. And the ones that have the big um you know, they they do they go all out for creator signings and things like that. Yeah. Um So yeah, uh, they're based out of Orlando or Winter Park, Florida, I think, uh, which is only about 15, 20 minutes away from here. So I'm definitely going to check them out today. Oh, sweet. Yeah. So, you know, that's my first thing. When I go out of town, I uh, go online and look for comic clubs or comic (laughs) comic shops and strip clubs. Strip shops
0: and comic clubs.
1: (laughs) Yeah, strip shops and comic (laughs) clubs.
0: We need strip comic book shops. There we go. We need stripper poles in the comic shops. Yep.
1: And see, listeners, by the time you listen to this... People have already copyrighted the idea, copyrighted (laughs) the idea, so don't even bother.
0: Yeah, I like it. (laughs) I like it. Did you see the uh, Carl Sagan video that I put up on the website? I did. I did. I am addicted to that thing. (laughs) I swear, I think I have probably watched it 20 times now. Are you serious? I'm serious. I am just fascinated by it. And I mean, I've downloaded the MP3. It's on my iPod, you know, and I'm listening to. It. I've got it cranked up in my headphones as I'm as I'm you know doing stuff around the house. I am just crazy about that. I don't know what it is. I I don't know if it's the nostalgia that I feel because I remember that that you know being in 1980 and you know watching you know Cosmos every week and just being dazzled by it. I don't know if it's just because I've got such a fondness for Carl Sagan or that the the science of it turns me on so much but yeah I am just I I'm am, I am sprung by <laughs> by this by this video and music I I don't know what it is but I am I, I am you know who who would have known that uh, Carl Sagan and Stephen F Hawking would have that kind of effect on me musically
1: <laughs> <laughs> You know it's kind of funny uh last night at the uh the opening night ceremonies, they had a a video during their Bill and Ted Halloween Adventure show, and uh, it was a Star Trek rap. And it oh, was during nice. the cast of the show, so I don't, I, I doubt you'll be able to find it anywhere online anytime soon. Cast of the movie? Uh, no, the cast of the the show, the Bill and Ted's. uh the oh, okay. Basically, the way the Bill and Ted show works is they make fun of all the the media, the big media for the year. So you know, this year was Star Trek. And, you know, this Star Trek rap video was just hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. I can't wait for it to leak somewhere online so we can hmm. post it on the site. Probably, it's, it's not as cool as the Carl Sagan video, though.
0: Well, what is as Good cool point. as the Carl Sagan video?
1: Except maybe
0: this week's comics. Uh, I wouldn't go that far. There was a lot of disappointment in this week's comics. Yeah, there, there was a, a profound and distinct amount of bad... In this week's comics. And a
1: lot of ones we were looking forward to, too. So, you know. Well, I guess we'll go ahead and start off. Yeah. Our Blackest Night
0: update. Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) Which, you know, strangely appropriate coming into the Halloween season.
1: Yes, exactly. You know, it's fall is here and Halloween Horror Nights has officially begun. That's right. Well, Let's talk about some superhero zombies. Uh, with Blackest Night Superman number two, yeah. What'd you think?
0: I like the artwork in the book. There were some scenes that I liked, like I, I kind of like where Martha Kent finds some resolution towards the end of the book to uh, fight back against the zombies. Mm-hmm. And you, I particularly like her. You hurt my dog, dug up my dear John, wrecked my home, <laughs> you know, and now I'm gonna have to kick your ass. <laughs> I like the the artwork is really very nice. In fact, I think it's an improvement over the previous issue. But it just didn't grab me. It wasn't it wasn't uh, as chewy or as uh, you know as good as I was looking for. And maybe a lot of that has to do with the fact that Psycho Pirates in the book, and I've never cared for Psycho Pirate.
1: Yeah, uh, was he a Superman
0: villain or no? And that's what I don't understand. I mean, other than the fact that he was in Infinite. Uh, Uh, Crisis on the Infinite Earths, which was really, I think, where he had most of his interaction with uh, Superman, I don't, you know, I've never seen him as a Superman villain before.
1: Yeah, I thought that was an an odd choice. Um, Yeah, I did too. You know, the book itself, it really, it didn't feel like much, honestly. It didn't feel like we took any kind of step forward Mm -hmm. from issue one. Yeah. uh, Or very few steps forward anyway um well i guess what i don't understand is
0: you know the the black lanterns have animated you know uh kal-el you know the other the other earth superman and they have you know animated the other earth lois lane why wouldn't they have just gone straight to animating jonathan kent because i think that would have a huge impact on superman why would they wait so long in their dealings with superman to do that,
1: yeah. Well, you know, and I, I was wondering this. I, I was wondering if maybe they can't remember when they were trying to um, revive oh, the original. Oh, because maybe he's at Hawk? peace. Yeah, maybe he's at yeah. peace. Uh, uh, so I'm thinking maybe that's why, or maybe they're saving it for the final issue. Um, but you know, reading issue two really just kind of made me realize that Blackest Night Superman probably could have been one oversized book. I agree. You could have trimmed the fat out of this book and had one good oversized book mm-hmm. um, that tied in, rather than three issues. Because even the the new Krypton aspect of the story, what was that? Two pages worth, and maybe two, three pages in the first issue. Right. You know, it, it seemed very kind of um, uneventful. Yeah. So. Uh, I, I, I wasn't entirely pleased with this issue. Not as much as I was with Blackest Night Batman number two.
0: Well, there are just some things in the book that rather ring false to me, because the reanimated heroes and villains, you know, the Black Lanterns, have been so brutal with everyone else, and they hold back against Martha
1: Kent. Yeah, they're they're just you know, I, I was wondering that myself. Oh well, we'll just hold her, yeah, and use her as bait. I mean. It's, yeah. it, it seems out of character for the Black Lanterns.
0: Yeah, and and you know maybe there maybe there's an explanation to it that we get in book three because you know I'm like is this is this a uh, problem with the writing or is there actually a reason for this? And I hate when I find myself asking those questions about a book. You know, is this just bad writing or is there something else coming up? And there's no hint that there's something else coming up.
1: James Robinson is a very talented writer, mm-hmm. so I hope. There's more than meets the eye. Yeah. Uh, but there's issue three, and we're going to get to a, a couple of, uh, at least for me, disappointments later on in the show. Yeah. Spoiler warning. Um, <laughs> or for for, for uh, foreshadowing. Um, but issue three needs to really hit on all cylinders to make this series worth the time, honestly. Right. Um you know, it, it it really just hasn't had the strength of some of the other tie-ins.
0: But um, I, I will say the artwork's really very beautiful in this book. I re- I have have I you know I enjoyed the artwork in book one, and I know that you had some concerns with it. But uh, you know the Eddie Barrow's work in this book is really quite stunning.
1: I thought it was better. Um, it's I thought there there were a couple of uneven panels, uh, uh, mostly during fight sequences. Just the anatomy seemed a little off to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, you know, I thought it was a better rounded issue than issue one. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'll, I'll go with you on it this time.
0: Okay, so Blackest Night, Superman number two, we're disappointed.
1: We are disappointed. We are very disappointed. Not wow. not enough to not read Blackest Night, Superman number three, though. I mean, sure. I've committed to two-thirds of the series. I might as well commit to that last third. Well, you read another Superman book this week. I did, and this one I was not disappointed in. Um, ever since Infinite Crisis there's been kind of a, a call for, we need the post-this-crisis Superman origin. Um, especially since, because of this new Krypton story, and there was another new Krypton story uh, a couple years back under Jeff Loeb's uh, run on the Superman titles, that really kind of, you know, they they conflict with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and now that zod is back in the picture and uh you know post infinite crisis the zod character was almost completely different than the zod character pre infinite crisis so there was a, a kind of a call for a definitive superman origin so there's this has been a long time in the making right uh superman's secret origins number 1 came out this week under the my one of my favorite action comics teams of all time Jeff Johns uh, with art by Gary Frank.
0: Yeah, Gary Frank is awesome.
1: Oh, absolutely. And his art in this book is stunning. I mean, if you like Gary Frank art, you'll love Superman Secret Origins. Mm -hmm. Um, And his stuff on the Action Comics run was fantastic, especially the Brainiac and the Legion of Superheroes uh, stories. I think those are the main two that he did uh, before taking a break to work on this storyline. And this goes back. It doesn't jump back to Krypton. It starts with Superman maybe pre-teens, maybe 14. He had he's just started high school. His it's you know, it's his origin story, I guess from high school all the way to his time in uh Metropolis. Uh, I think it's a 7-8 issue series, maybe 6. But again, this is just it's a good emotional storyline. It's him and this in issue 1 is basically is the scene that we've seen multiple times before, you know, we we see it again here and it's done really well is where he is told that he's an alien. Mm -hmm. Where his parents take him out to the shed and show him the rocket ship that he came in. Um, And it it is an oversized book so it's not just that. It's, uh, you know, Superman learning his heat vision. Uh, Superman, you know, dealing with Lana Lang and the first time he flew. And uh, the issue ends with his first time putting on the Superman costume or I guess Superboy costume, you know, and it's kind of funny because Jeff Johns answers all the questions that, you you know, everyone's had, like, how is Martha, how is Martha able to make the Superman costume, yet it's an unbreakable fiber because it came from Krypton? That's all in this book. I mean, subtle little touches that really add to the mythos. It's a smartly written book. I I, I think, you know, it's probably my book of the week. Um, I'm really pleased with it. uh, And, you know, was I really worried about it? Probably not. I mean, Jeff Johns, you know, other than Flash Rebirth, he's really done a great job. Uh, I was worried maybe he was over extending himself with Flash, Blackest Night, and the Superman Origin all at the same time. Right. But um, Superman Secret Origin definitely continues. You know, a really great run on the Superman titles. Uh, I think this. More so than Bo- Birthright, because I really didn't like Birthright. And even Man of Steel is a little dated uh, by today's yeah. standards, the John Byrne storyline. I think this is probably really going to be the definitive Superman origin story for a while. Great, great stuff.
0: Now, I didn't care for Birthright either. Uh, in fact, I, I just recently finished that. And uh, what I didn't like about Birthright largely was placing Lex Luthor back in Superman's you know teen years.
1: Yeah, and there is that in this. Um, you know, that's already it's it's part of the the mythos now. Right. That Lex Luthor was in Smallville. Um Yeah, and
0: yeah, you know, you know, that's uh, really kind of a kind of an element they pulled over from the Smallville television series. Yeah.
1: And you will see some elements of the Smallville television series um yeah. in in Superman Secret Origin as well. I'm not huge on the Lex Luthor storyline. Um yeah. you know, it, it's it's only a couple of pages from the first issue. Uh so really you know, it's, I'm interested to see where it goes. But yeah, Birthright, I, the main issue I had with that was all the new stuff that they introduced. Uh, things like um, Superman being able to see people's auras and, you know, some of the, you know, Superman yeah. podcasting or, you know, with his parents <laughs>
2: and right. crap
1: like that. Um, right. It, it just, it seemed a little silly, uh, you know, and this one, you know, by Jeff Johns really... You know, I, I love, you know, it's taking place in Smallville, and it's a Smallville that he's kind of, you know, that we're used to seeing in Adventure Comics. It's that Norman Rockwell Smallville. Sure. Um, it, it's just really good stuff. And, you know, it's it's emotional stuff. You know, some of the emotional scenes are really there. And really, I would kind of say it's like reading that, it reminded me of reading the first couple of issues of Ultimate Spider-Man. Uh-huh. You know, seeing that origin tale told in a fresh way, um, Ultimate Spider-Man, the first couple of issues, were fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Um, and this kind of feels like that. You know, seeing these this new take on the story that we're, we've seen a million times over, um, but it feels new. And, you know, it's just kind of... It, it's nostalgic and fun at the same time. You know,
0: the, when they retold the Superman origin back in the 80s when John Byrne did it, you know, in his Man of Steel books... Mm-hmm. You know that origin stood for a long time, and it seems like since the end of the '90s, we have retold the Superman origin and and respun it several times. Oh
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: And I'm just like, you know, and that's what kind of surprises me about how quickly this one came after uh, Birthright, because you know Birthright really was a, a kind of a total reimagining of of how all of that plays out. And, you know, how Superman, you know, found out about Krypton and how he understood his legacy. And so, I mean, it just seems, it seems like we're doing this instead of, you know, every 10 to 15 years, we're doing this almost every five years or less now.
1: Yeah, and I think one of the things with Birthright is that a DC Comics in the Superman titles was contradicting Birthright as it was happening. Yeah. Um and I think universally Birthright is not really a well-liked series. Yeah. Um so I think that's why they had kind of this rush it, to already redefine it.
0: It's sad because the Lainel U artwork in Birthright is just stunning.
1: Oh, it is. Absolutely. You know. I I I I've
0: started to make a list of the artists that I want sketches from. And Laniel Yu is, like, right up there at the top of the list. I, I really – I mean, I like the way he draws DC characters. I like the way he draws Marvel characters. Uh, I, I, I'm going to have to find this guy and have him draw for me.
1: So Draw for me, monkey. Draw. Try, do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so
0: uh, Superman Secret Origins number one is a grabbit.
1: It's a grab it. A highest possible recommendation. Um, even if you're not a fan of Superman, even – If you know someone who likes Smallville but doesn't read comics, this, you know, just like Adventure Comics, um, which is a shame because Adventure Comics, the team is changing after issue six, so I don't know if I will be able to recommend it the same after that. Um, You know, this is a perfect book for new readers to get into comics. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, good stuff. All right. Well, you know, you mentioned Ultimate
0: Spider Man, you know, having that same kind of. you know, the first couple of books of Ultimate Spider Man having that same kind of feeling reading uh Secret Origin. You also read a Spider Man book this week.
1: Yeah, you know, and I won't say read so much as glanced. Well, I won't say even say glanced at. It's a sketchbook. <laughs> um The Amazing Spider Man sketchbook. It's a flip book with the uncan or Astonishing X Men sketchbook. It's another one of those free Marvel books. Um not quite yeah. as uh Elaborate as the Moon Knight one that we discussed a couple of weeks ago. This isn't, uh, you know, this isn't going to take you forty-five minutes to read. It's really sketches of the upcoming storyline. Right. Um, what they have coming up in, in um, Excuse me, Amazing Spider-Man is a tale called the Gauntlet, which I think is going to be a series of mini-series throughout the Amazing Spider-Man title and uh, their new Web of Spider-Man title, um, and it's going to basically. The impression I get is either kill or redefine all of Spider-Man's classic villains. You know, they, they showed the new Electro. He doesn't have a mask anymore. He doesn't have the costume anymore. Um, the like the the lightning flashes are burned onto his face. There's uh, a new you know costume for Doc Ock. You know, they, they showed a couple of the new costumes in the book and hinted at a couple of others, Craven, things like that. Uh, and it's basically – I guess it's called The Gauntlet because spider Man's going to be hitting each of his classic villains one after the other.
0: Well, you know, I picked up the sketchbook as well. Oh, you did? Yeah, and I, I haven't thumbed through other than while you were talking uh, the Spider-Man side, but I thumbed through the Astonishing X-Men side. Oh. And I have to tell you that the book did exactly what it was intended to do. I'll be picking it up. I'm going to be picking up Astonishing X-Men. Wow, because uh, you know, number one, I love Phil Jimenez, and he's going to be doing the artwork on it.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, so you know, uh, yay me!
1: <laughs> but you know, you, you know, the main reason I'm interested in picking up Astonishing X Men. Why is that? It's the last page of that section of the sketchbook. Uh huh. Oh, has the brood? It has the brood? And we yeah, were just talking I love about the brood. them. You know, yeah. I love the brood, so I'm yeah. really looking forward to that.
0: Yeah, I am too. I, this this looks like it's going to be fun. It looks like it's got some good ideas. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. I will be picking that one up. And, you know, I might actually have to pick up this Spider-Man book. Yeah. I've through here. And, you know, largely because of the very large uh, pictures they have in here of the black cat. Yes. Of whom I am a
1: fan. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, uh, the Amazing Spider-Man storyline, it looks really interesting. The thing about The thing I'm hesitant about picking up Amazing Spider-Man is that it's such a large commitment. Yeah, uh, you know, at three issues a month, not entirely much yeah. happens in each issue. How much are those books? Are they two ninety nine? They're two ninety nine. Well, that's good. Yeah, um, you know, but honestly, at three times a month, they probably you know, I, print it on newsprint, make it two bucks a month, whatever. You know, yeah. I, 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 and you know, we can we talk about price every week. So I guess that was the uh, obligatory priced t- uh, statement for the week. Yeah,
0: we we maybe should change the name of the podcast to Comics for Cheap Bastards.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Cheap Ass with Aaron and Pauly. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, it the one thing about the gauntlet that has a, a kind of been there, done that look to it mm-hmm. is uh, it reminds me a bit of Mark Millar's Marvel Knight Spider-Man run. huh. I uh, can see did, that. Yeah. Um, and
0: I read those books. I read those Marvel Knight books. I, I rather enjoyed them.
1: Yeah, I did too. It was his the first twelve issues on the series, and it was redesigning all of the classic villains in a, the same way that they are again. You know, basically, you know, he redesigned everyone and gave them Matrix costumes. Everyone yeah. was in a black trench coat or black leather, and then they went back to their costumes, and now they're going back to the the trench coats and the leather. You know, it reminds me a lot of that. Uh, You know, because that was one of those things that it's like one villain after another until the ultimate villain is revealed. Uh, And, you know, it hints at an ultimate villain for the gauntlet um, in the the promotional picture by Addy Granov, who, let me tell you, Addy Granov, that dude can draw. Yeah, His stuff is stunning, but I, I don't know if he's slow or whatever, but, you know, his stuff is absolutely stunning, so... I, I hope they keep him on for Spider-Man covers. Uh, I know he doesn't do a lot of interior work. Uh, I think the last interior work of his that I saw was um, Iron Man Viva Las Vegas, which was a three- or four-issue miniseries that only lasted two issues. Uh, it was written by jo- um, John Favreau, oh, yeah. uh, around, and it started coming out around the time of the first Iron Man movie and still hasn't finished. <laughs> yeah one of that's those. par
0: for the course with your hollywood talent writing isn't it
1: yeah exactly but um you know this amazing spider-man story uh, you know i dropped off because a lot of the new villains they were introducing sucked and i wasn't really happy with some of the storylines after the brand new day or uh mm-hmm. one more day storyline yeah and it's mostly because you know they have uneven writing you have dan Slott on for a month who's great and you may follow him up with bob gale who sucks yeah. Um, you know, and it, it's like from month to month, you know, you can't just pick up the writers you like. You have to pick up the crappy books just to get the full story. Sure. And, you know, that's one thing, you know, that turned me off about Superman for a while. You know, that you had to read Superman and action comics, even though one may suck and one may be good. Um, I, I like it when things are separate enough that I don't have to pick up both books if one of them sucks. Yeah, um, you know, but you know, I, I'm interested in the Gauntlet. I'm interested in seeing where it goes. Uh, you know, I enjoyed Amazing Spider-Man 600 that redesigned Doc Ock. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I will probably pick up a couple of Spider-Man books. You know, I am a uh, a hopeless or hopeful optimist. Uh, so we'll, we'll we'll see how it goes, and uh, you know. Next month I may be dropping it again, and I'll tell you why then. I'm sure, <laughs> but uh, you know, hopefully this gauntlet storyline doesn't disappoint me because Spider Man is probably number two behind Batman as far as Rogues Gallery is concerned. Right? Uh, for me, you know, he's, it, he's got he's got some good Rogues. Yeah. For me, it's probably Batman, Spider Man, and maybe the Flash mm-hmm. soon after. Uh, you know, but the top two are definitely going to be Batman and Spider Man as far as Rogues for me. He's got a great Rogues Gallery, and uh, you know, I, I'm hoping that. The storyline doesn't suck, but that amazing Spider-Man sketchbook is free. So pick it up. Well, I
0: read uh, a spider book this week, but it was Spider-Woman, Spider-Woman number one by uh, Brian Michael Bendis and Alex Maleev. And I have to tell you, uh, Bendis and Maleev is probably my favorite creative team in comics right now. They have done just some amazing things together, such as Bendis' run on Daredevil, Alias book that also turned into The Pulse, I mean, these guys are just great together. It's like they they speak each other's language just so effectively. I love the feel of the book. It's very noir. If you liked Alias, if you liked The Pulse, and if you like Daredevil, you're gonna like this book. This picks up uh, the story of Spider Woman after Secret Invasion, and she kind of regards herself as the most hated woman around because the Scrolls had used her identity. Uh, during secret invasion to you know launch their efforts into the world, so you know she's coming back to a world that uh hates her and you know she she there's there's this wonderful dialogue in the book where she talks about you know i i used to always uh, look at Wolverine and couldn't figure out how he, uh, you know, would g- get through the day. In fact, I'm, I'll read what she says. She says, uh, and I just keep thinking about Wolverine. Yes, the X-Men Wolverine, the Avenger Wolverine. I've known him off and on a long time. And every time I run into him, I think, wow there's the most screwed over person in the history of the universe hated as a mutant captured and tortured by not one government, but two, experimented on poked and prodded just to see what would happen if you poked and prodded him. I look at Wolverine and I wonder how could he even function knowing he is the most screwed over person in the history of the universe. And then she goes on to kind of talk about, well, now there's a new number one, most screwed over person in the universe and it's me. And, it, the I, I, the book is so good going through her kind of personal journey and then where she's going now because she, now she is and she has signed on with Sword the uh, uh, global agency that's set setting itself up to uh, fight back uh, alien invasions and alien subterfuge that kind of thing. In fact, Sword stands for Sentient World Observation and Response Department.
1: Is that the one with a uh, beast and the green hair chick?
0: Yes, in fact, the green haired chick makes a, a, an appearance in this book ah. to to offer the job to Spider Woman, and essentially she's got a license to kill. Um, you know, her job is to go and find the aliens among us and take them out. You know, and either capture them or kill them, her choice. And you know, her first stop is to is to go to Madripoor. You know the uh, Wolverine's usual stomping grounds in in his own book and you know lay down some uh some 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 hardcore revenge on the scrolls. The book is awfully good; it really sets up where this story is going to be going uh, and I think it's going to be fun to watch this fractured character get her life back you know I think that's one of the things that Bendis does so remarkably well is he takes these you know, terribly flawed heroes and tells their story. And, you know, it's somebody that's like, God, you know, this person's not very heroic, but yet makes a hero out of them. You know, I, 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 he does such a fine job that he did it with, with, uh I, I, I always forget the character's name and alias. Uh, Uh, jessica jones yeah jessica jones um he did it with jessica jones in in those books i mean she was just as messed up as she could possibly be you know she wasn't a peter parker who's just always having hard luck stuff happen to him she was this this woman who made bad decisions she was bad to herself had low self-esteem and yet the the book was so compelling you know month over month and i expect that we're going to get the same thing here with spider woman and you know, I I think Bendis more than any other male writer right now writes the most compelling uh, female characters. I I'm 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 just so excited to have another book like this. So uh, obviously, I'm going to highly recommend Spider Woman number one for you.
1: You know, it's kind of funny. I uh, I picked up. I, I'm trying to get caught up on my New Avengers. Yeah. So I picked up a, a New Avengers trade the other day, and it inv- it involves the scene where Spider Man. You know, post uh, one more day, no one knows his identity, and this is the storyline where he reveals his identity to the New Avengers. Right. And Jessica Jones' reaction to it is priceless. Um, you know, she tells the she you know she tells the story on how she went to school with Peter Parker, and she was in love with Peter Parker, and you can just see Luke Cage like tense up, and he's like in love.
2: <laughs>
1: and at the same time, you know, all Peter Parker could remember about her was was that she was the coma girl. She she was in a car accident and she went into a coma and that's how he remembered her as coma girl. <laughs> and she remembers being in love with him. And I just I thought that was a great scene. Nice. Um, you know, it's those are those character moments that Bendis is really good at.
0: He is one of those writers where I'm just happy for him to write the dialogue of just a bunch of heroes sitting around talking.
1: Yeah, I mean, and he's you know, come a long way from uh, Avengers Disassembled, where right. uh, you know it was just a bunch of superheroes talking about what villain they'd sleep with. Right. You know, the the, the stuff has gotten much more mature and you know much more fun. Right. Yeah. No,
0: I Bendis does some 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 beautiful work, and you know, Alex Maleev is really uh, well matched to his writing style and, and the type of atmosphere he's trying to create. So, I think this is gonna be a great book.
1: Yeah. Well, maybe I'll pick it up myself. Uh, is question some more obligatory price talk? 2.99 or 3.99 book?
0: Oh, it is 3.99. Ah, all right. But it, it's, it's a larger book and it's 100% story and art. And it's it's
1: a it's a mini series. I think hmm, it's an ongoing. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Very cool. Yeah. So, so anyway,
0: highly recommended.
1: You know, since we're talking about female heroes, um, you know, this week, Detective Comics 857 came out, uh, and that is the Batwoman starring Detective Comics, um, written by Greg Greg Rucka, with art by J.H. Williams, and with the co-feature of The Question, also written by Rucka, with art by Cully Hamner.
0: Well, you know, we talked about how last issue was kind of – there was kind of a lull. Yeah, in the action. not so in this one.
1: <laughs> yeah, this is where you know they were saving the action for this issue.
0: Yeah, and I mean there's a lot of beaten ass in this book and I I had particularly the Batwoman story in the book really just rockets through here. Um and every page is stunning. Yeah. There is not there is not one part of this Ill, uh, of this artwork in, in in the in the Batwoman story that you know, you're going, what is that? What am I saying? Ooh, that could have been drawn better. I, it is just all beautiful. Williams has, has created a book in which he can sell every single page that he wants to sell. Because, I mean, they're, they're all splash pages, really.
1: Yeah, basically. They,
0: they, they are all just so beautiful. And so, you know, they, they work together in the design. The story's interesting. I just love that we finally get to see Batwoman be a badass. You know, I, I like that. Um, I, one thing I, I will say,
1: it sure does seem like a whole lot of people know who she is. <laughs> yeah, it really does. And you know what's kind of funny about that book to me? Hmm. Is it just me, or was there some nudity in that book?
0: You know, I don't know. that the, the, We were seeing a whole bunch of, of uh, Alice's chest.
1: Yeah, and but some of it seemed like not just you were seeing cleavage. It seemed like you were seeing almost all of it there there there's one panel specifically where it just looked like you could see everything and this is a comics code approved you know comic code authority or whatever approved book and i'm just kind of mm-hmm. surprised that they get away with so much in the art it, i i you know i i i enjoyed the book like we've said j.h williams art great stuff but i don't know the the story isn't connecting with me i think uh, the way I wanted it to. Uh, not as much as the question co feature. To me, the question co feature is what makes the book for me. What I'm struggling
0: with in this book now, bear in mind, I'm enjoying it. I particularly enjoyed this issue much more than the last issue. But what I'm having trouble with is why all of a sudden is Batwoman able to, you know, be a badass? Whereas she wasn't in the previous books, you know, she was kind of, in fact, you know, in the last two books, she kind of had her ass handed to her and we always see that, you know, the, 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 hero loses and then the hero overcomes. And what I'm not understanding is why she was able to overcome. You know, I shouldn't be asking that question. I should be able to say, oh, well, X, Y, and Z happened. She was able to overcome. I'm also having a, having trouble that other than the name bat, there is no connection to anything else in the Bat in, in in the in the Bat universe.
1: Yeah, and that's something we mentioned in Batgirl, but even though, yeah. you know, Batgirl is even more connected to the Bat universe than this one is. Yeah, I you know,
0: the spoiler at least had a you know, a relationship with, you know, Batman and with, you know, Robin. Uh, I, I so I'm ready, you know, now that we have finished this first story arc, I'm ready for Batman to come in. You know, I'm ready for us to have some kind of conversation beyond the little rooftop conversation that uh, that she had, you know, a couple of issues back.
1: Yeah, I am. I'm curious to see where it goes. Like I said, the story's not 100 percent connecting with me, um, Mm -hmm. but I will keep going with it for another couple of issues. But I I hesitate to say this. I I am considering dropping it.
0: I, I can't I can't speak to you anymore. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I do love Greg Rucka. We love Greg Rucka at Funny Books with Aaron and Polly and Ideology of Madness. I just, um, I don't it's know. Not, it, it's, it's not it's, ringing your bell? It's not ringing my bell. The story yeah. seems, uh, you know, it seems to drag and then go too fast to the point where you almost don't know what happened. You know, the, the climactic scene between Alice and Batwoman, mm-hmm. and spoiler warning on here, guys, so you may want to skip ahead. Uh, A minute or two uh, about the, you know, you have our mother's eyes or something like that.
0: Yeah, you find out that they're at least half sisters, if not full sisters.
1: Yeah, which uh, that was interesting, but it felt kind of shoehorned in. You know, it's like there was no hint of it at all. Uh, until that last scene, um, it was an interesting aspect. Well, I'm just y- uh,
0: you did have a hint earlier in the plane when the colonel recognized
1: her. Well, yeah, Beth. but I mean, in the three issues previous,
0: sure, yeah, absolutely. There was there was there was nothing there, and you know, we I don't think we knew that she had any siblings. So you know, this must be a, a sister that you know Batwoman is is unaware of. Yeah, you know,
1: um, you know, I, I, I like I said, I'm curious enough to give it at least one more issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, honestly, it's kind of sad because I don't want to drop the title because of that question co-feature that I am enjoying yeah. immensely. Well, and that question co-feature is pretty righteous.
0: It you is, know, I, 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 and I think it's it's gotten better week over week or month over month, I should say. Uh, and I'm just really enjoying Rene Montoya.
1: Absolutely, you know, and the art gets you know is great with every issue. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I like. Considering the Rene Montoya question has not really, you know, she's been in some stories, but nothing that's really stood out to me as excellent. Maybe because they've been so tied into everything, you know. Mm-hmm. There was Fifty Two, which you know that was great, but post Fifty Two, you know, things like uh, the the Final Crisis and the Crime Bible, you know, it, it's always been tied into something larger. If if they had a Renee Montoya ongoing, that was more stories like this, more the crime tales, right. Uh, I'd be on board. I would absolutely be on board.
0: Yeah, I would too. I would too. I'm I'm really enjoying the this, you know, incarnation of the question. I never enjoyed the original question.
1: Yeah. You know, you know I I liked the idea of the character. I same just here. never I just enjoyed ne- the tales.
0: Exactly. That's exactly where I am, am with those original question books. But I ever since Rene Montoya started wearing the Fedora, I've been there. You yeah. know. So, Well, you know, uh, Paul and I are split on, on Batwoman Detective Comics 857. I really enjoyed it, though I do have some, some questions. Uh, Paul enjoyed it less, and it's on the bubble on his pull list. On the
1: bubble. <laughs> on the bubble. Just like the new TV season. <laughs> <laughs> so now, uh, what else did I you read? Ha- Well, I, this was not
0: a new issue this week, though it was new to me. Uh, I had made some comments on Twitter that I would not be picking up Galactica 1980, the new, uh, Dynamite Comics, uh, uh, comic Ah. interpretation of the old 1980s, you know, television series where the Battlestar Galactica arrives at Earth and, you know, it's 1980 and, and they try to integrate with, uh, uh, you know, our Terran society. And, you know, I was like, eh, I'm going to, I'm going to pick it up at the comic shop and flip through it and make my decision then. Well, I opened it up. And like the first thing I saw was Dr. Z. And I don't know if you remember who Dr. Z is, but he was the, uh, the preteen super scientist in the series. Okay. I don't, but and, go ahead. And you know, With, with, you know, the, the you know hideous eighties haircut, <laughs> and I, I opened it up and I immediately closed it and put it back and I was like I'm not reading that, that crap so one of uh, uh, our friends on Twitter and I think it was Simeon Lovedock who said this and I apologize if, I've, if I'm misremembering but he said hey you were wrong Galactica 1980 is pretty good and I'm like okay and I said uh, I said, are, are, are there any daggets in it <laughs> I said because I don't know if I'm going to be able to deal with it if there's a dagget and he's like no there's no dagget so I picked it up yesterday read it yesterday I gotta tell you, I was very surprised at how good this was. Really? Um, it's much darker than the television series was. And it's re what it's doing is it's re-envisioning the television series as opposed to picking it up where the television series left off. Ah, okay. So it's it's you know, rewound it back to Galactica Finding Earth and You know, it opens it up and Adama, remember, this isn't, you know, badass Adama from the, the recent sci-fi channel Battlestar Galactica. This is Lauren Green Adama. Yeah. And particularly in Galactica 1980, the Lauren Green Adama is, is more a religious figure and very much a father figure, uh, than a military figure. And, you know, he's very spiritual and talking about their faith and trying to find Earth and whatnot. Well, this just kind of shows Commander Adama in the, you know, solitude of his own thoughts and going into his cabin, pulling out a gun and putting it to his head, you know, and and almost about to pull the trigger when, of course, they find Earth. So he has this 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 long drawn up. And by the way, I'm going to spoil this just so I can set it up for you, Um long drawn out conversation between him and the council of 12 about how they ought to approach earth, you know, and the, the council of 12 and Dr. Z are all saying, well, clearly we have, you know, uh, technical superiority to these people. We should go and dominate them. Not, to, you know, we're going to become the rulers, but we need to bring their technology up. Uh, and we clearly are the, the, you know, more knowledgeable, more mature. So we should be in charge. And so we need to bring them all under one flag so that we can build up, rapidly build up their technology so that we can defend against any Cylon attack that might come. And so, you know, Commander Adama says, no, what we really need to do is go and approach them as friends and equals. You know, let's, let's not talk about going and dominating them before we go and talk to them. And so he finally convinces everybody that this is the way to go. They arrive at Earth and they do something that's just Classically stupid, which is they bring the Galactica into the Earth atmosphere, hover over Washington D.C., and await for you know uh, Earth to talk to
1: <laughs> nice. to, battle,
0: to the Battlestar. Which, of course, what Earth does is launches its thermonuclear weapons and blows the Galactica out of the sky. <laughs> and so wow. the book ends. With Galactica just, you know, chewed up, destroyed, uh, broken into pieces over Washington D.C., and it, it appears that at the very end of the book, Commander Adama dies. Wow! Appears he could be just, you know, unconscious. Yeah. What the book sets up is here is a, a uh, co- the surviving the survivors of the colonies in the Galactica fleet are here on Earth. Without their giant warship, they've got their colonial fleet in orbit of the planet, and now what are they going to do? So I, I think it sets up a pretty good a pretty good story. The book's written by uh, Mark Guggenheim, and illustrated by Cesar Razik. Huh. Uh, the Razik pencils are a little muddy. Um, I the the art's not awful, but it is certainly not uh, anything. To, to get excited about. It serves the story, but I, I would prefer someone with more of a technical, illustrative background to, to, you know, represent the Vipers and the Galactica and all that kind of fun stuff. But the art works. Uh-huh. Um, it's, the, it's the take on the story that I found so captivating. And, you know, if we're kind of clearing the deck of some of these, particularly the Lauren Green character who's always been, you know, just always too good, unrealistically good, um, it'll be nice to kind of see how the, how the story shakes out. So anyway, I picked up number one. I will pick up number two. Uh, recommended.
1: Wow. Do you remember when um, Rob Leifeld's uh, Maximum Press did the Galactica 1980 stuff back? uh yes. Back way back when. Yes. That was an interesting take. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say I, it was I good.
0: I didn't stick it out just because the stories weren't grabbing me. Yeah. But I think I probably picked up you know two or three of those books. You know, and it was nice back in back in a day where there was no Battlestar Galactica to be able to see those, and and I like that they're kind of revisiting the old Galactica nineteen eighty storyline because while it was ridiculous, and I haven't watched it since its first run, there was some charm to it, and I think it's kind of nice to kind of spin it on its ear and say, okay, let's take these characters that were always a little bit too good to be true, and you know, give them give them some real hardship, and see how they how they respond to it.
1: Yeah, I, it's a book that is very limited in its audience, though, it sounds like.
0: I'm Well, you know, but it's Dynamite, which is, <laughs> you know, I think they do kind of have a limited audience. Good point, good point. I mean, who the hell's buying those damn uh, superhero project books?
1: Yeah, but at least, you know, you can buy those and understand them just by reading those titles. You can't pick up Galactica 1980, just pick it up without well, knowing I- Galactica prior to it.
0: I think this book actually does a good job of bringing the reader up to date. Hmm. You know, That's with good. everything uh, up, up to that point, because it kind of describes, you know, th- their journey, what's happened, yada yada. You know, you don't have to know about Starbucks and and all those guys because those guys weren't in Galactic in 1980. Good point. You know, and there are only like I want to say there were only like 13 episodes or even less of that show. Yeah. So it's not like there's a whole bunch of canon there for you to know. Really, all you need to know is that the The uh, colonial fleet was was roaming space for a good long while before they found Earth, and now they're here twenty nine years the, you know ago <laughs> you know so anyway, I think it's interesting, and I'm gonna pick up number two well good, good well now I was less thrilled with our last book we're gonna talk about, this.
1: yeah, and you know, like I said, this was a week of disappointment for me because I was disappointed in detective comics a fifty seven I was disappointed in Blackest Night Superman number two, yeah um. Uh, but most of all, I was disappointed in Giant Size Wolverine, Old Man Logan.
0: Yeah, in fact, I really wish they had called the book, would it, by by the title I will forever know it as, as Giant Size Disappointment. Because this book, wh- I got so mad by the end of this book, I was ready to, to throw it uh, into the pool.
1: <laughs> and I'm glad, <laughs> I mean, because after I read it, all I could think was, shit. Aaron's gonna yeah. love this piece of crap, <laughs> and I'm gonna have to argue with him on the show. Not because I not because I think your taste sucks. Um, I was just worried that you and I were really gonna different opinions, and you know because if it was if anything was gonna differ our opinions, it was gonna be this book. Because I was like, he's gonna love this awful piece of garbage, and I'm gonna have to argue with him on our podcast.
0: Now, warnings on. We're going to spoil this book.
1: Oh, we're going to spoil the hell out of this book. And there will probably be some profanity coming, too, because it's that much of a disappointment. Now, how long have we waited for this book? We have waited for this book for three months. For three months. And, you know, let's be honest. When the book was coming out, it's not like it was coming out on a monthly basis to begin with. Right. Um, I actually didn't realize it was an eight-part storyline when it first started. Maybe I forgot because it was over a year ago. Um, I I didn't think it was an eight part storyline, but, uh, uh, apparently it was. And this is the eighth part Mm -hmm. of of that story. And, um, go ahead. You start. Well, I, I, I want to, I want to talk about this
0: book in two ways, maybe three, perhaps four, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, I want to first say that if you take the entire story on its merits, And you look at, you know, where it started, where it ended up. If you were reading it in trade, I don't think your reaction would be as strong. Good point. Good point. Okay. Um, My frustration comes from how long we waited for it, how much we paid for it, and what we got out of it. Um, Just to kind of provide an overview of the book, where we left off, Wolverine's uh, family was killed. You know, this is a, a far... Uh, apocalyptic future where Wolverine is the only one of the only heroes to have survived that long. The world is dominated by supervillains. Uh, the Wolverine's part of the world is dominated by the Hulk and his children, uh, the Hulk gang. And because the Hulk, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> had knowledge of she Hulk, his first cousin, all of his children are a little retarded. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, they're they're all kind of uh painted as, you know, uh hillbillies and and, you know, uh rather slow individuals. In fact, if if the bad guys from Deliverance were, you know, gamma irradiated, these are the those guys. And of course, they're cannibals. They eat people. So, you know, the book really comes out. You know, Wolverine, throughout this story, has been trying to live a peaceful life because he saw what happened to his life when he was violent and angry and took things into his own hands. So it's kind of an uncharacteristic Wolverine that we've seen. We've seen the Wolverine who's wanting to reason things out. Let's all get along that kind of thing, as opposed to popping his claws and getting a little bloody. Yeah. Well, this is the Wolverine you've been waiting for. He kicks all kinds of ass in this book. You know, he kills off just about all of uh, uh, the Hulk's kids the big climactic battle scene comes when uh, the Hulk, uh, Wolverine challenges the Hulk. You know, beats up on Banner until Banner turns into the Hulk, and then the Hulk eats Wolverine. Now, here's my thing: Everybody in the world knows that Wolverine has a healing factor. Yes. Why the hell would you
1: eat Wolverine? Well, because I saw where that was going. Yeah, exactly. And not only that, how did his retarded son or grandson or whatever? Nephew, son slash brother know that, and he didn't. And this yeah. is Bruce Banner. Yeah,
0: yeah. I that's what I don't get. I, I I sat there going, he's you know. There's that one page where the Hulk takes his first bite out of Wolverine, right? And I you know so then it you know twelve hours later it shows that the Hulk has got a big, great big belly now because he's eaten the Wolverine, and I'm like, how stupid do you have to be? I knew where that was going. I knew the minute they showed that he's just sitting there going, Oh, yeah, I'm full. <laughs> I'm like, I know where this is going. He's going to be clawing his way out of his gut, which is what happens. I have another question. Yes. How do you
1: eat adamantanium? And that was my, that was my big thing. He did, you, they specifically showed that he did not swallow him whole. Right. So how the hell did he swallow the adamantanium? Skeleton, and you know not only that, let's keep in mind the reason that Hulk and Wolverine get into it so often is because the Hulk has a healing factor too, that's right, so you know there was no mention of that, that's
0: yeah, well, and I mean, all he does is carve his way out through his his spine and whatnot. I'm thinking as long as his uh brain is still around, he'll probably you know recover from that,
1: yeah, you know it it was just um that so, specific I, aspect was silly i thought yeah. very silly
0: there were, i mean like i said there was that that kind of cool moment where you know sure wolverine's carving himself out's out of the hulk but still that what that did not warrant that this was that they didn't have the, the the validity that this conflict is over
1: yeah and honestly i would have preferred you know the the thing about the old man logan storyline is that it built up This big epic storyline, and let's be honest, the big epic storyline that was Old Man Logan ended last issue with the whole Red Skull taking over the White House, that kind of stuff. I loved all that. I I really have enjoyed this storyline. Millar blew his load there, and you know I get it. You know, ultimately they have to resolve the Hulk storyline, and really what I would have liked is something a little more. A little quieter, a little more emotional. Um, it seemed like you know this book was just silly and gory and big action. When really, I would have preferred to see, you know, this is supposedly the quieter aspect of the title. And yeah, I guess you can't have you can't have the Hulk in a book and not see a big fight scene with the Hulk. Why not break that convention? Why not have the quieter? You know, if this is meant to be a Clint Eastwood fil- film like an unforgiven type storyline you know the big the final resolution is not this big epic fight scene where people are clawing each other out of each other's stomachs Mm -hmm. it's really more of a you know it's supposed to be more of an emotional impact um well
0: and i think we have to ask ourselves the question because you and i are kind of talking about talking the same way about this ending as we did about civil war also another Mark Millar book. So I I think the question is, is can he write the big books?
1: Yeah, Civil War started good, ended Mm -hmm. bad. Um, The Ultimates, though, Ultimates 1 and 2, you don't, he, I think the problem is Mark Millar can do the big action. Mm -hmm. Mark Millar cannot do the emotional aspect. He cannot do the quieter scenes because Enemy of the State, the Wolverine Enemy of the State storyline, which I think was followed up by Wolverine, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., Mm -hmm. that was great I enjoyed that storyline but the quieter tales or the tales that should have more of an emotional impact I I don't think he can pull it off you know Civil War you know yeah when it was big action lots of fun but when it involved you know some more emotional aspects to it like the ultimate real reason why it ended it, Mm -hmm. it felt like a cop out Right and you know ultimate old or giant size Wolverine or whatever giant size disappointment <laughs> really was I hated it I hated yeah, this final I did issue too.
0: now the only thing that I liked about it is I like what it set up yeah I think the, I think the setup to it is cool I hope somebody else writes it somebody other than Mark Millar I, and don't get me wrong I love some of the stuff Mark Millar has done I just hated this I loved this all the way up until this book yeah I really and did. And I think that had the last the, the previous issue actually been the giant sized where you had that story and this story, I think I'd have been fine with it with the exception of the Hulk thing. But the fact that we waited three months for this and then, you know, we still haven't talked about how, OK, we get to the end and then there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. 13 14 15 16 17 18 19 20 21 21 pages of not story. Yeah, and this 21 is 21 a- pages of sketchbook and cover gallery for a $5 book that they waited 3 months to get out to us.
1: Now, was it 4.99 or was it 5.99? 4.99. All right, it's a $5 book and the bonus features are reprints of the covers yeah. from the storyline you just read, That's including right. the cover of the book you just read,
0: yeah, including the cover of the book you're reading right now. In case you couldn't flip over, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was like, yeah, what? You know, it's not th- that stuff is great for the trade, but as part of the final book, yeah, I, I
0: was, I got to this. I'm like, you've got to be freaking kidding me. I mean cuz we were getting into the the wrapping up pages and the wrap up pages is that Baby Hulk, you know, the the the, the youngest of the the Banner children mm-hmm. and you know is going off into the sunset to take back the country and you know he uh, is this, he's go- he's going to ra- apparently going to raise this Baby Hulk as his own and you know raise him as a hero. And I'm like eh, that's that's kind of cool. You know, it's kind of got that lone wolf and cub feel to it as well as a western feel to it. Yeah. You know, I was like, I, yeah, that's kind of cool. I like that, you know. But I'm like, okay, and it's before I saw The End. I was like, okay, so there's actually going to be a lot of story here. Yeah, this will be cool, this will be great. And no. No. Uh you're you're going to have to live with your disappointment, Aaron, because you know, you're going to get while it's a very nice sketchbook, you're going to get a sketchbook that you didn't want. Yeah. And I'm I I got to tell you, Paul, I am, I am at the edge with marble on this shit. I mean, I really am. I am so fed up with them plugging in a whole bunch of stuff, calling it giant sized, or, you know, just making it bigger. And we're paying for crap you didn't want. Yeah. I mean, I, there, there's this huge part of me that, I, like I said last week, I want to tear out the, the extraneous pages and hand them back. And I think what we ought to do is we ought to start tearing that crap out and mailing it back to Marvel. Cause it's not your comic shop re- retailer's fault. It's Marvel's fault. Yeah. And th- this shit's pissing me off. I'm sick of it. I really am. And I, I'm, I'm working myself up into a bigger <laughs> mat as I talk about it. But I, this is, they're stealing from their fans.
1: This hey. was a ripoff. This oh, oh, was the yeah. biggest ripoff, because you know, two ninety nine, uh, okay, or three ninety nine. I'm paying a dollar for a reprint of an issue. That sucks. But yeah. when I am paying two extra dollars for maybe six extra pages of story, uh, I, I don't know how much longer than the, uh, an average book this was. But let's be honest, that book, this res th- this resolution of the storyline. Could have yeah. been ten pages long at the end of the last issue.
0: All you're getting to see, you're not getting more story. You're getting a bunch of Wolverine cutting people up.
1: Yeah, a bunch of Which, gore, a bunch of yeah. gratuitous violence. And I love violence. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, you know I'm the horror guy on the site. I love violence. Yeah, but this was just stupid.
0: Yeah, it was. It was stupid. It was. It was a a, a mad grab for five bucks. Is what it was.
1: Yeah, you know because yeah, I, because I just, the storyline was such a big hit. It's like, well, hey, how can we F over our fans? Yeah. You know, we're making so much money off of this. They'll pay $5 to see Wolverine and Hulk. Basically, I mean, like I said, t- to pay $5 for 10 pages worth of story and 20-something pages of reprints of shit you're already on.
0: Well, they're, they're, they're trading on our fandom and they're abusing our trust is what they're doing. Yeah. And I, I'm just, you know, I, I thumb back over here. To Spider Woman number one, which was a three ninety nine book, and it was full of story and art. I mean, it was it was all one story, and it's not huge, <laughs> you know. And then I look at this four ninety nine giant sized Wolverine, which is big, and just a, a complete abuse on these last pages here. Yeah, and it. Makes- I mean, they could they could have they could have earned some good graces with me with kind of a one shot of you know Wolverine and Baby Hulk out in the world you know I that that would have been fun you know have another writer have another artist do it yeah. that would have been fun in the back of this book but you know instead they decided to just do something that costs them nothing but yet they're charging us for it cuz that that's the reality here is that you know all, they're not having to pay these artists again they're not having to pay the writer again they're just taking stuff that they already own they're throwing it in the book And they're charging you for it. And it's not even really something you wanted. You just wanted the end of your story.
1: Yeah. And, you know, honestly, what I would have liked, you know, okay, of course there was the ending of Wolverine riding his horse off into the sunset. Mm -hmm. I really would have liked, you know, okay, then you could have a big two-page credit splash, almost like a movie credit sequence. Yeah. And they they should have had a post-credit sequence with maybe Wolverine sitting down at a table, recruiting someone for his new future avengers because that's the impression you get that he's going to try to do and you know it ends with this some hero that you thought was dead and is still alive maybe spider-man or something like that um you know that would have been awesome yeah no
0: i absolutely agree that would that would have made me feel better about the crappy hulk
1: resolution yeah exactly
0: was there not somebody in the marvel bullpen that said hey this resolution here, Mark sucks. Yeah. It's like, Hey, you've got to figure out a better, just figure out a better way to put the Hulk down. If that's the resolution, is that the Hulk's got to be dead, figure out a better way to do it. I mean, does he, you know, I, I think of why not have cut his head off? Why not have shown us at least that, you know, I could see where, you know, Wolverine exploding from his guts, knocks him down. But, you know, you really need to take his head, don't you? Because he's not going to grow a new head. He might grow a new body, but he's not going to grow a new head.
1: It, it, I, I liked when, Wolver- when Hulk first showed up. And keep in mind, this was one of the few scenes of the book I did like, because I really didn't like anything in this book. Mm-hmm. You know, it started off okay. I thought it was going to be quiet with Hulk, Hulk hunting them down. Um, but really, there was about 20 pages of Hulk hunting down – or, I'm sorry, Wolverine hunt, hunting, hunting down Hulks. Um and really, you only needed about two or three pages of that to get the, to get the point. Um, you know, that yeah, was gratuitous. And then you know, when they showed Hulk as Banner, a super strong Banner rather than the actual Hulk, right? I liked that. Yeah, that was kind of a neat take. Up to this point, no one has really felt out of character. Bruce Banner, Hulk, felt totally out of character. Even more, you know, and you know. Because we've seen Hulk Future Tales before. You know, this is not the Hulk from Future Imperfect or the Hulk The End. This is a totally out of character. Bruce Banner has sex with She-Hulk and raises redneck children. (laughs) Really? Bruce Banner? Right. This has not been an aspect of his personality we have ever seen. It was just, it felt totally out of character. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if they had The Abomination... Mm -hmm. Or even like now that Rick Jones is is a Hulk type character, I guess he is an abomination, you know, or or something like that. Leonard Sampson, you -hmm. know, I mean, I guess, you know, it's ultimately building up to the fact that, you know, it's a Wolverine Hulk storyline, Wolverine and Hulk, you know, Wolverine was first introduced in Hulk. So I guess you had to have that. I would have rather seen, excuse me, a a future imperfect type Hulk, um, the maestro type character than a redneck Hulk.
0: Yeah, and I kept thinking that that's what we were going to see before the Hulk was revealed to us. I thought we were going to get the Maestro. And so I was kind of disappointed that that isn't what we got.
1: Yeah, and he lives in a cave? Really? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you're. Yeah, I don't get that either. Yeah, I just. I, I didn't care for it. It was disappointing, and you know, disappointing both in the the comic and disappointed in Marvel. Uh, you know, uh, they know better than this.
1: Yeah, you know, and you know, we were talking about actually picking up more Marvel books earlier. You know, Amazing yeah. Spider-Man, The Gauntlet, uh, Astonishing X-Men. Um, you know, I'm trying to catch up on my New Avengers. I was really excited about the Old Man Logan storyline. Mark yeah, Millar, Steve Steve McNiven. You know, let's be honest: the art in this issue the weakest of the series. Yeah. and, and But, you know, that team-up, you know, that produced Civil War, which looked great, you know, and started great, despite, you know, mm-hmm. petering out at the end. I, I just... I, I'm, I'm so disappointed in this storyline. I'm hesitant to pick up stuff like this, because I hate when this crap happens. I hate when I get invested in a storyline, and then at the end of it, oh, well, because we don't want to run any later in this book... Pick up giant size, you know, bullshit in right. two months or three months or six months. Yeah, I- I'm tired of that. I really am. And um, sometimes it's worth it. A giant size Wonder Woman, the um, resolution of the Alan Heinberg Frank Cho. I think no, maybe it wasn't Frank Cho. It was Terry Dodson. I think storyline that was great stuff. Great, great yeah. stuff. Giant size action comics um, by Adam Kubert and Jeff Johns uh, with Richard Donner. Mm-hmm. Great stuff. Well, and and I thought Giant Size
0: Astonishing X Men with Joss Whedon and uh, John Cassidy
1: yeah, was great. Again. I really enjoyed that book. That was fantastic. Um, yeah. but it's disappointing to me that they have to do that. I get it that they have to do that because they you know, okay, well we gave them four issues of lead time and then they still screwed up. And it's disappointing and you know, at least we're you know, they're trying to make it consistent, they're trying to get the team to finish their storyline. I get why it has to happen. This storyline probably should have been outside of the regular Wolverine.
0: Yeah, this was one of those things. It really didn't need to be in the in the regular book. It should have been a miniseries. It should have been out on its own. Uh, yeah, I'm right there with you, Paul. Yeah. Uh, and I this, know this. Sh- this should not have ever have been a monthly
1: Yeah, and I know that we contradict ourselves because I know we say, you know, half of the times we read things and we say, well this really should have been part of the monthly, but this is not connected to any type of current continuity, whereas most of the other stuff that we say that on is Um, this is truly a tale that is not going to ever be in continuity Uh, there have been other variations of the future um that have been more closely regarded as the actual future of the Marvel universe. This will never be accepted as the future of the Marvel universe. Um, But
0: that said, I, I I am interested in seeing the story that they've set up.
1: I would be too. I would like to see more. Um, I want to
0: see it. I'd like to see it as a monthly by other people.
1: (laughs) But you (laughs) You know, know. I mean, I would be happy with Steve McNiven doing more. I, I love Steve McNiven. Um, but I don't think he can get the the monthly out. But well, and that's
0: that's why I wouldn't want it with Steve McNiven because you know he he has proven that he can't meet a deadline. Yeah, but you know?
1: I mean, I would very I would be very interested in seeing where this is going. As long as Marvel doesn't screw it up, because you know sometimes they have a good thing like the Age of Apocalypse, you know, and they release all these tie ins that suck, uh, and you know, or the House of M, which honestly was never really a good thing to begin with. But, you know, they release all these tie-ins that, you know, are subpar quality. Um, right. Except, for, you know, I mean, there have been some bright, shining moments. Uh, but generally, you know, some of the tie-ins to these alternate realities kind of suck. So, yeah. you know, I I, 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 I I hesitate to think that I want more. I do want more, but I, I, I also kind of want to leave well enough alone. <laughs> well, I, you know,
0: I, I do want more. Uh, I, I would like less uh, Steve McNiven for the reasons that I've stated. And you know, without taking us too far down the rabbit hole, at what point do you as an editor say, you know what? I really like your work, but you can't meet a deadline. You can never do a monthly for us again.
1: Yeah. Or you, know, you, know, I, you can do a six issue miniseries, but you have a year got, of lead time and it yeah. needs to be done before you turn any in.
0: Every book. You know, it needs to be in the bank before before you do it. And, you know, I don't know what the payment structure is for these guys, but I wouldn't pay them a, a freaking dime until they've delivered the whole thing.
1: Yeah. And, you know, because they're superstar artists, they're probably paid more than the regular artists.
0: You know they are.
1: But, you know, for late
0: books. Yeah. Yeah. And it, like you said, this book is not drawn as well as the earlier books. I mean, he had three months to finish it, and it still
1: looked rushed. It did. It ab- especially yeah. you know, the two-page spread with Wolverine cl- clawing out of Hulk's stomach—that yeah. was just a mess.
0: Yeah. No. I, exactly. And as as much punch as that should have had, you should have been you you should have been sitting there looking at that, you're going, "Oh my god, oh, look at that! Oh, that's that's wild." And it's not. It's just a it's just a big gloppy mess. Same thing with the scene where the Hulk is biting Wolverine. Yeah. You know, both of those, I mean, both of those look like they were just knocked out in an hour.
1: Yeah. And you know what's sad is, you know, we're talking about how big of a disappointment this book was. Our two favorite books of the week were both number one issues by guys. Well, I don't know about Alex Maliv, but typically Alex Maliv gets his stuff out on time as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You
1: know, Jeff Johns, Brian Michael Bendis, you know, writers, Alex Mm Maliv, Gary Frank artists. You know, I'm talking about Superman Secret Origins as well. Uh-huh. These are guys who get good, well-written books, uh-huh. beautiful to look at books, out on time, and they were also our favorite books of the week. You know, whereas the resolution of a year-long storyline, we're, we're bashing the hell out of it because it sucks. Yeah, um, it, it, it's sad, you know, because I, you know, we we talk for a while on the stuff we hate, you know, but we we there is plenty to love out there.
0: Well, and the reason why you and I are are beating on this book so hard is because we enjoyed the other book so much.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the fact that we've been recording this podcast for this is our thirteenth episode. Every single episode of our podcast has been recorded since the la- since the the previous uh, part of this storyline was released in stores. Because you know we haven't spoken about it previously on the show because yeah, there hadn't been a book out. There hasn't been a book out. Yeah. Um, but you know, the, I loved loved the last issue the red skull stuff beautiful loved that aspect i loved the you know the, the why wolverine is the way he is and what mysterio mm-hmm. did to him i thought that was great there was so much to like in this storyline that it, the fact that the ending and again you could have had a quieter ending but this really could have been the last 10 pages of the last issue i think all everybody involved would have been happier yeah, I think so, too. Even Marvel. I think you,
0: yeah, one, well, I think you and I would have had a much different you know, response to it. Yeah. <laughs> so, giant-sized disappointment, my friends. Giant-sized disappointment. <laughs> but you know what's not disappointing? This show. Well, this show and our fans' opportunity to win 100 free comics that may...
1: Or may not suck. Um, you know, I guarantee... Giant-sized Wolverine will not be in it. (laughs) Uh, Because I have already put together the Hunter comics. Ooh, very exciting. Yeah, very exciting. And you know what? There's actually some good stuff in there. Good deal. Um, Now, we have one more week in the contest. Uh, The winner will be announced on next week's show. Ooh, very exciting. You can feel the tension Mm. building. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now... Easy way to get the word out. Um, the easy way to enter the contest to enter for a chance to win 100 free comics is to post a link to Funny Books with Aaron and Polly on your Twitter, your Facebook, your blog, um, you know, a forum. A go to forum. Newsarama. Go to CBR. Exactly. Go somewhere. Get the word out on Funny Books with Aaron and Polly, and send us an email or a link. Showing us that you did it to ideologyofmadness at gmail.com. And uh, you're automatically entered to win uh, a chance. You know, you have a chance to win 100 free comics. One may or may, may or may not suck. That may or may not suck. And you know what? A couple of those 100 comics are trade paperbacks. And I'm not counting them as six comics. I'm counting them as one. Wow. so yeah i'm not, I'm not a complete bastard, and
0: if we get enough entries, there will be a second place prize awarded, yeah, so uh you know it's not just one one lucky person or you know unlucky person, <laughs> 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 but uh you know if we get enough entries, we will have a uh, a second prize awarded as well, so be sure and uh get those entries into us as soon as you can because time's running out, the clock is running out <laughs> Ooh, whoa. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is not a giant size disappointment. Uh, hopefully you will not have a giant size disappointment upon opening that box. But you know what is a giant size disappointment? What?
0: The end of our show. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information visit markandrewpope.com. Funny books with narrative. and Holly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of spider
2: very good at cosmos, in which we float like a mote of dust in the morning sky, but the, the brain does much more than just recollect. It intercompares, it synthesizes, it analyzes, it generates abstractions. The simplest thought, like the concept of the number one, has an elaborate logical underpinning. The brain has its own language for testing the structure and consistency of the world. A still more glorious dawn awaits, not a sun rooms a morning filled with 400 billion suns the rising of the Milky Way. The sky calls to us if we do not destroy ourselves. about the universe did it stretch out forever, or was there a limit? From the big Bang to black holes, from dark matter to a possible big crunch, a image of the universe today is full of strange-sounding ideas. How lucky we are. billion suns, the rising of the Milky Way.